This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode 148 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards Podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and this very special episode, a roundtable conversation with five actors who are nominated for a Tony this year, is brought to you by the iconic Empire Hotel on New York's Upper West Side. I should note that the Tonys, Broadway's biggest night, will air nationwide on June 11th on CBS. Our guests today are Danny DeVito, who until May 14th was playing Gregory Solomon, a chatty 90-year-old Yiddish antique stealer who finds himself in the middle of a long gestating family squabble in 1968 New York in the play The Price. Josh Groban, who's playing Pierre, a stout middle-aged Russian aristocrat experiencing something of an existential crisis in 1812 Moscow in the musical Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Corey Hawkins, who's playing Paul, a con man extraordinaire who convinces a segment of New York society that he's Sidney Poitier's son in 1990 New York in the play Six Degrees of Separation. Andy Carl, who's playing Phil Connors, a jaded weatherman who winds up living the same day over and over again in the musical Groundhog Day. And Ben Platt, who's playing Evan Hansen, an anxiety-riddled loner of a high school student who gets caught up in a web of lies in the musical Dear Evan Hansen. Thank you all for being here. It's been a lot of fun catching up on all of your shows. First, I want to say that anyone can jump in at any time. I may point (laughs) (laughs) Not to worry. Danny, you you want to take this one? You ask. (laughs) (laughs) the cards. But uh, let's let's establish how you guys, uh, how and why you came to these particular parts. And and Danny, I want to start with you. You've been an actor for 50 years. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. yet, The Price, which is a revival, of an Arthur Miller play yes. is the first time that you are on Broadway. First time on Broadway. I mean, I've walked on Broadway. Yes. <laughs> but I've never been on the stage it's on about Broadway. What took so long? I, you know, I, I always said, like, uh, while I was out in California doing all that other stuff, yes. um, people say, why don't you go to Broadway? What's the big deal? And I'd say, the dressing rooms are too small. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Do you ever go visit people backstage at Broadway? I mean, it's like everybody walking in. All <laughs> really love your performance. It's really great. Thank you. Let's get out of here. Let's go, let's go eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but uh, I don't know. It's the play, really. You, you find something, something comes along like the price, and you yeah. can't pass it up. It's just an amazing play. Arthur Miller, please. I've got Jessica Hecht in the play, and, and uh, Mark Ruffalo, and and Tony Shalhoub. It's like, you know, dream come true, yeah. and that kind of thing. Uh, ben, you've been on Broadway before as a replacement at the age of 19 in a little show called The Book of Mormon. Yes, sir. Um, but unlike that show and, and that part, you are, you've been with Evan Hansen from the very beginning. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, I just wonder if you can talk about how actually that was sort of born out of a few rejections. It's interesting. C- certainly. So I, yeah, so I, um, 
auditioned for Pascal Paul, the composers of, of Dear Evan Hansen, for a show of theirs called Dogfight when I was about 17 years old. I was a big super fan of theirs, um, as any theater kid was at the time. All of their videos were on YouTube from Edges and all the things they were doing at Michigan. And so I um, was really happy to go in for them and was deemed too young. And they reached out to me afterwards on social media and they said, we loved your audition and we have this other project down the pike that we think you're going to be right for. We're going to keep you in the loop. And I was like, that's very kind, but sure. Um, and then I auditioned for Michael Greif as well for the tour of Next to Normal. I was uh, likewise too young for that as well, but uh, another great connection. And then uh, fast forward to the first ever time that we were going to open up and read uh, Evan Hansen at the first table read. They did end up calling me and saying, you know, we think this, this would be a great match for you. And so I came in and did a cold read. They wouldn't let me have any sort of information beforehand about uh, uh, the piece or the character. They just wanted to see sort of what happened in, in the moment and it really clicked beautifully and so I was able to stay on board for all three of the readings and all three of the workshops and the DC production, the off-Broadway production and now the, so at the music box. The whole thing's been like four years? It's been, yeah, about four years. They, the writers were developing it for about three before that yeah. and then uh, the first time we opened it up uh, was four years ago. Yeah. Amazing. So Josh, in, in The Great Comet, which mm. people should know is derived from about 70 pages of War and Peace, yeah. uh, you are also making your Broadway <laughs> debut, yes. and, uh, and the way it came about is pretty magical. Can you take us back to July 18th, 2013? <laughs> yeah, there's a photo that was captured on Twitter yes. uh, of uh, myself backstage with um, then the off-Broadway cast, which many of them have uh, migrated to Broadway, and uh, just basically saying this is one of my favorite theatrical experiences I've ever had. Love this show. Please go see it. Um, I saw it in a tent off-Broadway. It was in the Meatpacking District. I was completely enchanted by it. I loved the complicated, beautiful score. I loved just kind of the immersiveness of it and just how exciting it all was. And, um, and it was something that I just kind of put in the back of my memory bank as just a, a great experience. And, um, and so I read on a, um, on a blog somewhere, I read some, some on, on Playbill or something, that they were just kind of thinking about bringing it to a proscenium, about transforming a theater and perhaps bringing it to Broadway. And so I was kind of right at the beginning of making a musical theater album for the first time, which is a, a really fun experience. And I just, I threw my hat in the ring. I said, you know, I'd never want to wedge myself into a project if it wasn't right, but this has been a dream for a while and I'd love to meet the composer. At the very least, we'll get drunk and have a good time. <laughs> and, you know, a few drinks turned into a sing-through and then we realized we had a lot of very similar ideas for the show and for the character. and. Um, and it just, it all happened very, very naturally. So I'm, I'm really very grateful and happy that I waited for the right thing. That's great. Uh, Corey, you previously acted in a different John Guerra play in, at Juilliard. And, uh, and then, yeah. uh, oh, I've have, have also previously uh, been on Broadway before, 2013, Romeo and Juliet. Um, but uh, a lot has happened since that, that Broadway debut in just a few years. Uh, people might have heard of Straight Outta Compton, 24, Kong Skull Island, on and on. Um, talk about why, when you can really have your pick of things to do at the moment, why did you decide to come back to Broadway? Um, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, like I said, I, I, I grew up a theater nerd, so I, I was always, actually grew up singing in the church uh, first. Like, that was my first love, and then in high school I was in musical theater, and then, of course, they cut it due to funding, and, and I ended up... Um, just going into uh, straight theater um, at Duke Ellington School of the Arts in DC. And, um, you know, it's just always been, I, I, I just think there's something about coming back to the stage, man, and just sharpening that tool and, and keeping that muscle firing, you know what I mean? Um, and this, this play and this character definitely is one of those characters that's sort of like a, a gymnast or an acrobat or, or an athlete. Like he's a different guy in every scene. and, and 
Um, I just thought it would be fun to do that right after coming off of a TV show. Um, fun or scary yeah. as hell, and, and why not do it if, if you know, uh, if it scares you. So um, I just wanted to challenge myself and see where it took me, and uh, and I, I'm, I feel like a lucky guy. That's great. <laughs> you know? Andy, this show uh, brings you your third Tony Nom in four years. It's pretty great, and wow. the reason we should uh, I bring this up is that the other two, in some ways, I feel like, I wonder if they paved the way for this. First one was Rocky, very physical, uh, obviously. Then after that, on the 20th century, where certainly very comedic. And, and this is, if anything, a, a great blend of physical comedy. Uh, physical for, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll find out how physical later in this conversation. <laughs> but um, just, I believe there was actually sort of a link between each of these shows, right? Yeah, I sort of feel like that. This one could have, this was sort of a choice to do as well. Um, Matthew Warch just approached, approached me with uh, Groundhog Day. Um, while I was I was filming uh, Law & Order SVU, I was like becoming a, a nice little character on there, and I was like, I don't think I want to do any theater for a while, but it's got to be, it's better be really good if it's going to be uh, something to, to go back onto theater. And then I got that script and I was like, Oh my God! What they're going to do with the, with uh, this movie and transform it into the musical that it is, and with Tim Minchin and Danny Rubin, who's you know wrote the original script, it's like everything seemed right, and the character was something I hadn't done before, and it is the culmination of so many different things that I've done to sort of piecemeal everything together. So, um, I was like, okay. And then SVU was like, we're going to kill you off. So uh, <laughs> Everything worked out. It all, yeah. yeah, so. I wondered if that was, which came first? Like, the, did you decide? I, d I, I don't go know. I'm not, I'm not in those, those <laughs> halls, and I'm not in those tables <laughs> to decide. But uh, that's how I think. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things where it's like, we don't know if the season's going to go. We don't know if your character's going to go. And I was like, well, I'm going to make my own choice yeah. then. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Dead. Uh, so... Uh, you know, but it was all a blessing because now, uh, you know, with with the Tonys that obviously we're all nominated for, it's just kind of an amazing you know, icing on the cake. Yeah. Mm. So for for Josh and Danny uh, as the rookies here at the table for Broadway, <laughs> I want to ask you what did what has surprised you the most about you know you, you've done theater before, but not necessarily here, mm -hmm. and I just wonder what sets it apart I, and. And I want to start with Josh because one of the things we should know for people who haven't yet seen The Great Comet is the way that the stage is laid out is so interesting. Yeah. Uh, you have a stage uh, basically sneaking through the entire orchestra to the back of the theater and then a pit up on the stage where, around which audience members sit. Yeah. And awesome. it almost feels like a concert. <laughs> so I just wonder if, uh, you know, what your, what your take on it's been. Well, there were a lot of things that were very intimidating for me, uh, not to mention the fact that this was the first time I'd done any character live theater work since four, four, four shows in a row of Fiddler on the Roof in 11th grade. Uh, what a run. Uh, were you Tevye? Uh, were you Tevye? I was Tevye. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, good. No, I was, was going to get him. It was a fake beard. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was Tevye. Um, and so, you know, I was nervous going into it as it is, and I think to Corey's point, it was like this feeling of like after 15 years of album tour, album tour, like I was really excited by the idea of scaring myself and going into something that was going to challenge me and um, and make me feel like I did when I made that first record of that first tour. And um, and then, you know, you add to that that, like you said, there are people that are just sitting inches from you the entire time. And even if you're not in the spotlight and Pierre sits there the whole time, they're watching you. And um, and so it was a, just an amazing, you know, exercise in 
realizing how much you're capable of and how much you're able to break through. Um, I was very nervous about eight shows a week. I didn't know if I was something I could handle vocally or handle physically. And the muscle memory kicks in and you find ways of um, getting more comfortable and confident with people like looking you yeah. down very <laughs> close to you. When we were rehearsing, Rachel Chapkin, our incredible director, would like bring in friends and have them sit near us at New 42 where we were rehearsing. And she'd just say, for this next scene, you are not allowed to look into the ether. Every single word you are singing to somebody's eyeballs. Wow. You know, it's weird <laughs> at first. At first. Um, but, uh, but you start to get used to that intimacy, and it, starts to, it keeps you honest as an yeah. actor on stage. And it's, um, uh, it's, been, it's been great. But it's a treacherous stage. Like yeah. you said, I've fallen in the pit. I wear a padded suit, so yes. I didn't feel it, but I fell, I fell in. And um, you know, there's a lot of ways to get hurt up there. Sure. Now, Danny, what about the whole experience, whether it's something on stage or just the you know the effects of it all what's what's caught you the most by surprise well oh, you see my experience has been uh, well 40 years ago I did uh, Cuckoo's Nest off Broadway something 40 some odd years ago and uh, that, you know I did a lot of theater and like summer stock and children's theater and stuff like that then you know being away from it going to California um, you'd think it would be uh, an odd uh, Thing. But actually, like, Taxi was like uh, really the training ground for me with, with the audience because we did it uh, with 300 people every Friday night. We did it, with, it was on film, but, mm -hmm. but we still had the audience to play with. And the way it's cut, we had four cameras. It was always uh, sunny, is different. We just we don't do an audience, or the crew is the audience. But basically, with uh, Taxi, it was. Uh, so I felt comfortable with the 11. Like the the five years of Taxi and all that stuff was almost like doing off Broadway a new show. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was like with an audience. You had new material, but and, and then I off. yeah, and then it wasn't until uh, I did the Sunshine Boys in, in uh, London. That was so much fun in the West End. Uh, Neil Simon again. I do do like, I like to work with these these young fledgling. Right. <laughs> People who are, like, Give them a know, boost. Working out. And they love working with young people. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, you figure you give them a little boost. And and then uh, again, it's just a wonderful place to be. The stage. It's really. I feel at home. I feel comfortable there, uh, especially with the people I'm with, and uh, and the price. The, the the play is like the the words. It's just amazing. It's just like a. It's a phenomenon. That he he wrote this in 1967. It's a play that a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, usually see the normal, you know, Arthur Miller plays. Mm -hmm. This one is a unique play and really fun to do. Mm -hmm. And I I kind of like. Uh, I mean, I don't. I've never experienced uh, the uh, walking through the sets and stuff. And and I've never done a musical or any, you know. But I'd like to someday. <laughs> but the idea is, uh, it sounds like. I mean, it looks like so much fun. I, I'm having a ball up there on, uh, in the price. Let's talk uh, about being the first to play a role on Broadway versus uh, stepping into a role that others have, have played before. Um, this year, Josh, Andy, and Ben are originating parts on Broadway, and Danny and Corey are, are in revivals. Um, I want to start, Corey, with you. You're, this was a, a part that Courtney B. Vance played en route to a Tony nom of his own, yeah. made, helped to make Will Smith a star when they did the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, is it intimidating to know uh, that people of that caliber have done it before? And also, as, as an actor, do you, do you want to see if they have footage of Courtney's performance or go and watch Will's performance? Or do you want to 
stay away from that. Uh, to your first point, yes, <laughs> it's very intimidating. <laughs> um, it's intimidating, but um, I, I think, uh, again, kind of going back to, you know, what everyone's sort of speaking to, it's just the, the, the fun of it and the challenge of it is to, to, to take the play, to take the text and, and to make it your own and find it, you know, your own way. I'd seen the movie, I'd seen the film when I was really young and uh, and and the, I took away certain things from from what Will brought to it, um, you know, the the charisma, the charm, the danger, and all of that. But um, I hadn't seen it since, and I hadn't wanted to watch it, you know, since uh, since seeing it back then. And I'm sure there is a, there's footage of Courtney doing it, but I'm just like too. I'm like I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's that's that's the joy of being able to to revive a play. You know, Trip Coleman, I think expertly directed this this revival in, in in terms of tone and in terms of just letting us start with the words on the page and John Guare was just he was in the room every single day you know which is can be intimidating but he's a fun dude so we get to like you know hear the stories of of you know from back then and you know it's based off of a, a real character as well so um it, it's just it's it's fun to get in there and just play with the text it's like jazz you know you just you you take it and you you lift it and each character is an instrument and you just kind of bring your own thing to it and and every night I, people have been asking me you know who is who is Paul Poitier who is Paul Kittredge or whatever he calls himself whenever he calls himself you know <laughs> who is he and and I for me it's like if I had the answer to that I wouldn't be able to get up there and do it every night because you're finding that every he's different like every single day on stage and it surprises me sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse, but you know, it's, um, it's a joy, man, so. And Ben, when, when there is nothing to even have the option of, of referring to, to, to see how somebody else did it, um, is that it's self-daunting or is it actually, my understanding is that in some ways, in a lot of ways, you guys with the, with the creators, Pazic and Paul and everybody else, have been able to tailor the part to your own strengths and preferences and things like that. Totally. I think it's it's both incredibly freeing and also super terrifying. I think that, you know, particularly this character uh, is doing a lot of things that are very morally ambiguous and is not on paper a very easily likable person. And so I think I felt a deep responsibility to make sure that we were always sort of making his intentions really clear and making sure the audience was like very sort of tuned in on why he was making each decision that he was making. And I think that the beautiful thing about getting to create it from scratch with these writers is that they have such an incredibly collaborative spirit and were really open to sort of my ability to, to gauge what felt honest in a way that they maybe couldn't as somebody that's on the inside of it and, mm -hmm. and always sort of took that into account. And um, so it was a thrilling thing to do. And the fact that we got to sort of um, have two productions before Broadway gave me the opportunity, obviously on the creative side, to fine tune it and to really find who this, this kid was and to sort of um, figure out which physical things were really important and which ones were extraneous, but also on a purely sort of physical, technical level, it gave me the opportunity to figure out how to sustainably make this performance happen eight times a week because it's the, the blessing of it is that it's super physically, emotionally, and, and, and vocally demanding. And yes. so to have the opportunity to have some trial runs of you know how many physical therapy sessions do I need a week, how many voice sessions do I need a week, <laughs> how, what, what diet should I be on, what supplements do I take in the morning, stuff yeah. like that, was really nice to have before we got on the Broadway train. Interesting. Well, um, Andy, you, you're in an interesting situation this time and a few times before because your show is original as a musical, but it's been done as a movie, so people mm. go in there they have some expectation of what they are going to see, and this was also, of course, the case with everything they've done from Legally Blonde to Rocky and other, n not everything, but obviously a, a yeah. number of these. Um, talk about what that's like where, you know, 
when you have somebody like Bill Murray and he's playing a jerk, mm-hmm. people know that I think ultimately Bill Murray is going to, you know, maybe they give him a little more slack before they, you know, they start hating this guy because they know it's Bill Murray. Um, now, a lot of Broadway fans know you, but it's also, there are going to be people coming in there who don't necessarily have that familiarity. And does that affect, you know, the way, the way you have to calibrate this guy? You can't make him so irredeemable that... Anyway, you get where I'm going. Well, yeah, yeah. But I, I need to ask Ben for all his, like, physical therapy people. And all this, <laughs> I, I'm still figuring that out. So it's, uh, gosh, this eight shows a week is kind of crazy. But uh, originating the role in, in London helped out a lot because uh, it was a matter of there's such a journey with Phil Connors because he has to be redeemed at the end of the show. But how far back do I set him? Right. And actually, one of the great compliments I get from like friends, family is like when I first start, they they were like they didn't think at the beginning of the show that I was going to be redeemed. How is this person going to be redeemed? He's such a jerk. And but there was still the fact that it's a it's a, essentially a comedy. There's there's so much good writing that uh, Danny Rubin has done to make all the sardonic stuff land really well. And it's it's an off it's a it's it's that uh. It's like in Taxi with your, your character. They love to hate him. You know, it's like uh, that's why I was going for him, going for that guy. That's like you, you sort of cheer the fact that he's such a, a jerk um, because you know there's there's going to be a turnaround at yeah. the at the end. Um, so I just really, for me, because as a person myself, I'm not. I don't think of myself as a jerk, yeah, yeah. but uh, that that may be an argued <laughs> point by other people. But uh, I, I found him, and, right. and and so in finding that 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 darker part of me to be able to come to the light because the end of the show is sort of a release of all that and it's very personal to me when I sing the last song and I I am looking at the audience and I am telling them you know let's uh, let's open our eyes to what really matters in the world and so um, that's just that huge journey to, to make so in in saying that after watching the movie and seeing Bill Murray and I've seen the million the, 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 the movie a million times I'm sure everybody has it's like I, I don't feel like I'm imitating Bill Murray. No. I feel like I've, I've found my own Phil Connors, and I think that's kind of what he was going for in the movie as well. He had to find that yeah. you know irredeemable guy becomes redeemable. Sure. Um, I want to ask you guys about responsibility, the sense of responsibility that you feel when you're up there, because obviously none of these are one-man shows. There's a lot of people that are helping to make it happen every time out. And uh, what is the moment in your show when you feel the most burdened about pulling something off about uh, pulling your weight. Is there a scene? Is there a song? Is there uh, a beat? Just something that you know you got to get right or you're letting down a bunch of other people. And just jump. Who's, we can start with you, Jack. Uh, sure. Uh, well, uh, Pierre's scenes with Anatole uh, towards the end of the second act um, are really f- are physical. Um, he's really taking him to task. There's We have a fight call every day. Um, and I definitely feel that the dance of our physicality there, we definitely need to be on our toes because I'm throwing him around this little small little yeah. pit and we've got a piano there and a bassist and a drum set and the main thing there is just I don't want us to, you know, to miss a, a beat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because so much of Dave's writing um, is like that domino effect. Like it's sometimes very fast, sometimes notes are coming out of nowhere and you think to yourself, God, how could he have like written this extraordinary <laughs> complicated thing? But, but it's that thing where if you do miss a word at the very, very top of the first act too. There's a song called "Letters," where everybody gets a, t- a spot to to sing about what they've been doing in their life. Right. And I swear, every single per- every single person's solo 
is more complicated than the next. Mm -hmm. And when you step out the gate, you know, sometimes you get out on stage and it just it takes you like a few minutes just to acclimate to the energy of the space. But there's no acclimation in in that song. You're 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 coming out of those double doors and you got to I got to jump right into the beginning of this song. And so that's one where I say I say I, please don't mess this up for the rest. And of the it's cast. important particularly because in in your show there's so many characters and yeah. people are trying to figure it's, out who's who. It is a very ensemble show. Yeah. And so we all do feel like we're kind of cogs in this beautiful wheel and um, that was one thing that was really important for me for my first time out was to take on a role and to take on a show where it really was a team up, a team effort up there. And, and so we should note, I think something like 23 of 33 people in your show, plus the writer and director, are yeah. all Broadway debuts. Yeah, wow. so that's it's a, a very wide-eyed, awesome. bushy-tailed yeah. vibe up there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Corey, what about you? What's what's the what's the uh, heaviest burden of the show for you? I think it is something to to. to starting you know to be to because Allison Janney and John Benjamin Hickey who are my rocks in this show along with this fantastic cast I'm I'm so thankful for them because uh you know there's moments well they start the play you know and, the, and we break the fourth wall and they're talking and they're sort of recounting this this night that they that they had where this young guy comes into their lives this burst of color this dude you know in this his pink shirt, Paul Poitier, you know, the son of Sidney Poitier. And, and there's all this sort of, you know, lead up to it. And then he has to come on and, and bring that burst of color. And he has, to, he has to be on. And he has to believe that he is the son of Sidney Poitier. And, um, and he... Who, by the... Well, I won't spoil it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, Scott. Come on. Scott, come, on. Um, <laughs> come see it. Yeah, no, um, uh, no, but it's... it's, it's, it's it, and then Paul proceeds to go into this huge uh, monologue, <laughs> this huge thing about his thesis on imagination, which we later found yes. out he, he didn't come up with right, himself. Right. But you it's have to make, yeah, no, no. But, you, you know, you, <laughs> but you gotta make the audience believe yeah, it. Yeah. And there's some nights, listen, some nights is, we're singing and we're just, and, and it's just there and it's just firing on all synapses, but some nights, it just isn't, <laughs> and and <laughs> I'll look over to Allison, who I can always look to, or John, and uh, and um, and sometimes they're like, <laughs> you know, they're like, you're on your own. Yeah, you, you gotta, you know. Um, and then you know, it's just such a because it's such a technical show. It feels like we're doing a musical, strangely, because it's such a and it's a tight ninety minute, yeah. but it's a play that feels like it's it has three acts, and it's just uh, you have to. You have to trip is mapped out this thing, and you have to play the beats in order for the audience to go on this journey and be willing to go on this journey with you all the way to the end. There and is that uh, thing, isn't there? Like when you start, though, just kind of when you're in the space of going, well, okay, you realize within the first five minutes, what have I got to do to get yeah. to the end goal today? Exactly. Yes. Every day is different, and some days you're riding that wave of just if I think it, I'm going to do it. And right. Those yeah. are like ten you get, yeah. you know, every couple months. And then the other days, you're really kind of in a checklist in your own head of saying to yourself, all right, okay, oh, okay, oh, that's Here where I'm at today. Yeah. All right, <laughs> how, how are we going to pull this off? Right. And it's, it's a fun thing to climb every yeah. day. Well, so, so Ben, I want to ask you this as well, and I just wonder if it might also entail sort of how do you shade this guy to the right degree because there are some morally ambiguous things going on, as with Corey and Andy's character. You've got to, you don't want to lose the audience. Yeah. So, but, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's two answers, both both that speak to that. The first would be, uh, similarly to these guys, it, 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 it starts really, like, uh, right out of the bat. It's, it's uh, a monologue and then two numbers, like, back-to-back, -back, and you have to really sort of get inside this kid's head right away and mm -hmm. feel like you know him and that you're on his side because 12 minutes into the show, he does something really terrible. Yeah. And so 
it's, you know, like uh, Josh and Corey are saying, every day is a different sort of vibe and different feeling. It can be anything from like, is it raining outside to like, are there a <laughs> right. lot of old people right. to like, you know, it, it just, it, everything is, so it's just, it's making sure that, that, that the, the main beats of that first few scenes and that monologue and that song are, are, are always calibrated to the point where you are deeply understanding where he's coming from and that you can get on his insides before he's doing things that are gonna make you wanna right. back up. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I guess the more obvious answer for sort of what is the moment that is sometimes hard to, to create each night is uh, at the end of the second act there's a song called Words Fail where Evan has to sort of confess all the terrible things that he's done um, and it's a hugely cathartic number and it's a lot of crying and screaming and singing and um, uh, obviously emotionally it, it's, it's, it's incredibly important for the people in the audience to, to, to deeply understand his remorse and to feel that he, he knows better than anyone else why it's wrong what he's done and that he, his self-hatred is sort of the overlying cause of it all. But also, uh, in a technical sense, it's, 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 a, it's a tough line to, to, to ride each night to try to not sacrifice any of the beautiful music or the technical of the singing for the emotion and also um, sort of vice versa and sort of finding where that middle ground is. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, for me, I feel, uh, you know, jumping out there is, uh, is great and I do have wonderful people that I'm with, Jessica and Mark and, and Tony. The big thing is, uh, um, for me, I, I think if I ever get anywhere that I feel like is unfamiliar while I'm gone, it's always go back to the, just sit on the play. Mm. Because the play is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, Martha Miller's words are, uh, just, and I've had these two experiences, the, the Sunshine Boys with uh, Neil Simon, and now with Arthur Miller, and I'm really fortunate because you, you, you make big, big choices to come out and you, you, you go extreme and go for it and find characters, stuff that, you know, that he's indicated and you build on it and you rely on each other. Yeah. You're skiing out there together. You're surfing. You're <laughs> holding on to each other. You know, you're, you, you. But if there's ever any kind of like uh, something going awry, whether it's you know, and it is a big thing with the audience too. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, people are really this way. Some, you know, the audience is changing every night. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's a big part of it with the. the, the Can two I interject years. though? Because mm-hmm. we were talking earlier about the fact that I happened to see your show at a performance that I was one of. There were, I think your theater holds 750, mm-hmm. and there were 748 other people there who were all like junior high school students. Yeah. I happened oh. to go to student <laughs> matinee. And I was sort of bracing myself on your behalf, like, oh God, are they gonna, phone's gonna be out, are kids gonna be mm-hmm. wild? And in fact, because of the, the sort of relationship that is uh, developed between the, the actors and the audience, it ended up being a, a great one. So yeah, it's maybe, a great show. Yeah. Yeah, so. that was a great, there, there, it, it is different, it's always different with the different audiences, but no matter what, no matter how wacky it gets, whether it's candies being unwrapped or cell phones going <laughs> off or, you know, whatever is <laughs> going on. Or gratuitous coughing. Whatever it is. It's just the, the thing that you can always do is you, in, when you have good material, yeah. like an Arthur Miller play or, you know, you guys are all obviously in good, uh, well-written plays. You, you, you sit on those, you, you find that exactly. spot where he's taking you or she's taking you, the author, and, and you embrace it yeah. and you go with it. And it's, 
And then, and then we, you know, you, you circumvent things and you can play. And like, I have a section in the middle with our, where I, where I eat a egg. It's like a, you know, oh, Solomon is like totally like he's been arguing with Ruffalo and about the furniture. And I, I go and I buy it, and I go and I get the egg, and I, I say I'm going to give you a good price. And then, then I open. He says for everything, 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 and I take out an egg and I crack it with my cane, and, and hard boiled egg, and he's. You know, what is it? So that spot right there, from there, maybe, uh, you know, there's a bunch of beats in there that just go off the charts. Yeah. And you could take that thing and just go with it. Yeah. You could, the whole rest of the play could be about eating the egg, because yeah. I eat the whole egg. Not everybody spits an egg like Danny. No, I spit an egg. egg. And, and depending on how nice uh, Mark is yes. to me, I, I go easy on him. Sometimes, if he's really good to me, sometimes I spit a little. Right. If he's like getting on my nerves, I, I get the whole nine yards. And that student audience loved it because you really gave Well, the also, of- there's that. They, I know who the, you got to know who the audience right. is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say, give them a little bit more because a little more spin yeah 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 a little bit more <laughs> they like broke that day you get <laughs> a lot <laughs> uh eddie your moment this entire show is like yeah. measured out within like a fraction of an inch so the the floor revolves in five different directions and it spins backwards and it goes because you're rewinding time you're starting time the pieces come on i have to get dressed on stage tie a tie no mirror and do it within a certain amount of counts uh, so everything is really um, mathematical and that's that's all Matthew Warchus he's mathematical with emotion which is really um, a thing I've never done before so it becomes very technical in that way but then I put on my hat of like okay you've done this before you've had to like you know do a beat so I've got all this stuff to do but you got to wrap that all in like what you're going through that day mm-hmm. so everything has to be coded with that emotion but uh, there are certainly things that go wrong and the tie doesn't isn't put the way and I'm like and it looks like this long sometimes but uh, so everybody in the ensemble has to be on a fraction of an inch okay. and everything sort of has to just just meet at the same time it took a lot of rehearsal to get that it's a very it's very smart in that way but it's also very complex well and i what i think watching your show is that i know for all of you guys as, as great as the show may be as much as you may love it eight times a week of anything that's going to take three hours of your time or whatever it's it's potentially get a feel a little repetitive at some time at some point and within Andy's show yeah yeah no I, that's kind of how I found the uh, you're an inception yeah oh my god so but there is uh, a price to to pay for this stuff when you know doing something eight times a week over uh, again anywhere from 90 minutes to to three hours, uh, and often over the course of months, and it it can I know be physical, it can be emotional, yeah. um, and I want to ask you guys each a little bit about that because uh, I think people that go and see you for their ninety minutes or or three hours may not realize you know what is being sacrificed to make that possible. So Ben, let's start with you to to play this character. There is physical posture things that have that you've done to yourself that affect your vocal delivery there are uh, massive amounts of emotion that you referred to earlier where and, and I've been lucky enough to sit close enough to see this is not there's no way to fake this uh, and in fact one of the many people who have given you great re- uh, reviews for this performance is Hollywood Reporter's own theater critic who uh, however at the, his one note was that 
I'm actually a little concerned for Ben because he's going <laughs> so deep here. You know, I hope he's not damaging himself. So where do you, how do you find that line? It's something that's a daily thing that I think I'm still figuring out. I, you know, I think that the beautiful thing about this piece and what we all look for as actors is, is, is pieces that we want to throw ourselves into and that make us want to give everything to. Mm. And I, I'm so in love with this piece of theater. I've obviously had four years to fall in love with it, but I'm, I mean, I couldn't believe in it anymore. And, and I, characters like this do not come around ever, where you get to use all the tools in your belt and really feel sort of the synergy between you and the character. And so I, I, I feel a deep responsibility as the person who's sort of administering the story every night to, to give it at the same level each night and to have the people that come have the same experience that they're having every night. But I've had to, you know, come to terms with the fact that I'm a human being and that days are different and there are some days when things are there and some days when things aren't and there are days I feel better than others and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of role that has definitely taken over my whole life. As I alluded to, I've, you know, I have very strict regimens as far as eating and sleeping right. and therapy and all of that. And so um, it is a sacrifice, but it's one that the experience is all the sweeter because you're making it yeah. because you're earning every last drop of it. Um, and I think, um, you know, we've been open for six months now, so maybe let's talk again in another five. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, you know, so far, so good. I'm just really trying to take it one day at a time and help let each show be its own experience um, and, and try to maintain that level of decorum. I will say that my I have seven other actors on stage with me. It's a really tight-knit cast. There's the eight of us. And everybody is really, really giving of themselves and nobody's holding anything back yeah. and, and sort of, there's no vanity. And so if there are days when someone needs to be lifted up, there are seven other people to, to lift you. It's, it's pretty great. Danny, you're playing a guy 20 years older than yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the, what do you have to do to make that work? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's cool. I, I come in a little early and do my makeup and uh, put some spots and a lot of things on and, you know, hands and well, do the, all the fun stuff, teeth, change everything about myself. And, <laughs> and it's like really cool because uh, the, the great experience is like the, you know, that you, you come early, you stay late, you're in there on those two show days. I mean, but the first thing I do when I'm finished with the first show and on, a, on a Saturday, the matinee or a Wednesday, is I go right into my pajamas. <laughs> I got a little room right there off the, I'm very close to the stage. They, they were kind enough to give me a, a note. I have no steps, right. really <laughs> cool. And I just go in and dig in, you know, and I, I, uh, I lay there and wait for the next one to come around and it's just so much fun. Mm. Did I hear you also use a trampoline? I have a trampoline, yeah. I, I have a little one I got online. It's like a, uh, you know, a small one in the, in the I have a little bathroom. <laughs> and I put, uh, I jump on that, like, it's really cool to get the lymph and the blood and everything wow. going. Rather than like, uh, you know, doing, it's simple exercise for mm. me, you know. It's low impact, you know, and it's really, kind of nice and gets you going. Yeah. I, I do it without my costume, then I, as I add the, the layers of clothes, I, I keep doing it until I'm finally Great. standing back there, my wow. overcoat, my hat, and my cane, and the <laughs> whole thing. I have a Kandinsky, uh, uh, ah. like a beaded curtain, you know, because oh, cool. it was, you know, my character was born in, in 17, uh, I mean, 1879, uh, and uh, so Kandinsky was like at the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. So I have him up, and he's Russian. <laughs> now, anything that's right, no, you know, eat, yeah. eat, uh, eat, eat lox and yeah. and bag of uh, chicken soup and you know, oh, wow. anything to get you into, that, good, yeah. into the mode. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally. really fun. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to you know we only have a week left. It's like wow, really harsh. We're we're uh, mm -hmm. we're finishing up, uh, 
But it's been a great ride. Nice. A lot of fun. I'm going to show up with the trampoline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a vision that's immediately going on Just ordered it under the It's like a $25 item. And, you know, you deliver it, and it, it folds up. But it all, I leave it open. It's like, you know, it's a little, and I lean it up against the wall so it doesn't take up a lot of space. But then whip it down, ready to go. Wow, Get so worked up. With me. That's you're great, gonna yeah. be with it. Yeah. yeah. Josh, you have a, as, as referenced earlier, a fat suit, mm. and you have a complicated stage. Mm. And we did not mention, I did not mention that there are a lot of stairs on that stage. Yeah. There's all kinds Just a of few. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're <clears throat> aside from, and you're playing the accordion, you have to learn to play the accordion. Yeah. There, there are uh, physical aspects of this that might not be obvious uh, to yeah. somebody also. Yeah, you start, you start to really um, learn to be much more in tune with what your body needs and uh, you start listening way more to your, your, yourself as far as just what you need and, and you do feel guilty sometimes about just wanting to throw on pajamas and do nothing. <laughs> I, Broadway has been hell for my social life. I just, I can't wait to say yes to things again. Yeah. But, <laughs> Cheers um, to that. But at mm. the same time, like, you know, there, you, you start to realize very quickly what is needed of you out there. And I think every one of us has roles that need different things. And so for me, um, you know, because I know I'm gonna sweat a lot out yeah. there, um, I try to hydrate, you yeah. know, because I know that the singing style that I have out there is very different from the singing style that I have when I'm doing a concert. Mm. I have to warm up in a certain way that I know I can be healthy and do that eight times a week. Um, and like you said, the stairs, you know, as soon as you feel a tweak, you know, I try to try to nip it in the bud, just try and find ways to stretch or whatever and just, because, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot and it's something I've never done before yeah. and so I, um, you know, but, but to Danny's point earlier, I think the really cool thing about when you feel like you maybe have taken it to a point where you're feeling uncomfortable or you're feeling like you're overdoing it or you're feeling, is that I think we're all so grateful that when the, when the words are great and the notes are great, it, after you do 100 or 50 or whatever it is, there is that feeling of that you can go back to just resting on the work. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes after 100 shows, you find new things yeah. when yeah. you do when you finally like let go of the control or the the thing you know you've been doing every night so yeah. you somehow think i got to keep doing that it's those nights sometimes where you're feeling so tired or that you're that you can't physically do that thing you were doing two weeks ago and you have to go back to the basics that you actually find a new thing and, and it's that's like a, with uh, with the cast i have with uh, mark and jessica and tony i do a lot of things that are a little unconventional like for instance you know, there is that thing called blocking, you know, that, that, that all the directors <laughs> give what? And I, you know, and so like, it, it, to, like early on we started doing that where, you know, I, they, they know that what's going to any, you know, they can tell that in a second something's coming that's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So I may be on the other side of the stage you know, uh, saying that line. As long as you're, you know, you're aware of the, where the lights are and yeah. stuff, the stage people don't, the stage manager doesn't really yeah. Yeah. get panicked. But, you know, I do I do. got to get you in a musical, up. Danny. Yeah, I do change up. To, There's one unpredictable actor in every show. <laughs> that's that's you. That's you, my that's friend. guy who's... Everybody's on guard. Just right? make sure they know that he's not always going to be in the same right. place. Now, Corey, uh, you have something that the other folks here uh, in these particular shows do not, which is the absence of an intermission. How does that affect you and your pacing? And I mean, you're also playing a guy who is shot out of a cannon, as you say, talking a mile a minute, doing all this stuff. Yeah. So what, uh, what is that? Do you miss an intermission or do you like that you go right through? Um, I love being able to get to the bar quicker after the show. <laughs> 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 Just, I think, kind of. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, 
It's, it's interesting with this play because it really does feel like, you know, it, it starts out as a dinner party, you know, and, and the audience is sort of trying to figure out this Upper East Side world of art and Kandinsky's and, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and then it turns into this farce, this who did it, you know, who, who is this guy? And then, it, then the third act of the play, the rug gets pulled out from under you and you realize, you know, what, or you think you realize what went wrong, but... Um, for me, he's just, if, if, I don't think this play could sustain if it had an intermission because there's the, the ride that, that Paul is on. I mean, every, like I said, every scene, he's a different character and emotionally, it's, it's, it can be so taxing to go out there and, and really have to, you know, commit to being this person and fooling this person. And, and, and it's horrible, some, some of the stuff that he's, he's doing, but Again, it's that theme of redeemability, and, and actually, I'm hearing that for the first time. How present that is this season, actually. Seems that way. Um, yeah. It really does feel um, very potent. Yeah. And um, but but again, I think it, it just goes back to you know, it, it goes back to relying on your cast, on your cast, and relying on the script. I mean, it is stopping, stopping, and starting is like uh, is is tough. Too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. especially if the kind of play you're in. You yeah. Know? We have a thing in the price where. Terry Kenny directed it. We broke, the, there was a indicated place. Of, Miller says that the play could be 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you could do it if you, if you could. If you could do it in two hours, you, you never do it in 90 minutes. So mm. it's, it, but but he, want, he said you could use no intermission or intermission. And where Terry broke it, it's kind of cool because we have a, it's like a freeze frame in a movie. It goes black when Tony Shalhoub enters and we're in a spot. Mm. And they haven't seen each other in 16 years, Mark and Tony. And I've got a, I've got money in my hand. I'm selling the, uh, buying the furniture, and there's a blackout. And then we stumble out on stage, which is like really hysterical to get back into those spots <laughs> in the blackout. You know what I mean? The first couple, much month of that, but I luckily have a cane, so I'm like whacking, trying to find furniture going on on the way over. And I just pray to God that people in the front row are not listening to my what I'm saying while I'm going over there bumping in the footstools and stuff. Before we we uh, close with a fun thing we call rapid fire, I do have to uh, tee up what is in some ways the craziest of the physical situations we have to talk about uh, this year, which brings us to Mr. Carl. Three days before your opening night. Second act, mm. uh, one of your last previews. Can you share with us what physical thing you dealt with? I still haven't actually like emotionally dealt with all this, so yes. I, talking about it is very is a lot of uh, a lot of things going on. Because uh, with the show, I've been to the worst part of of it and the best part of it. Because we're all here today doing this, which is a really great part. But three days, seventy-two hours before uh, opening night, I did something. Uh, on stage that I've done a million times, but a, a leap. But this this time I tore my ACL completely. Oh. Went down, crawled off stage, sobbing, knowing that it was all over. I felt like it was all over. I hate talking about this, but uh, the great thing that I realized with the piece and talking about relying on the text and everything is that the, the last song that I sing in this show is all about having the people around, seeing the people around you for the first time with open eyes and not 
not having any sort of like uh, preconceived notions, but also seeing that they can lift you up. So when I, I knew I had to go out there and limp or whatever, just get out there with a cane and, and uh, I can borrow your cane sometime. <laughs> Andy um, won't be doing the trampoline for a little bit. <laughs> sang that last, last song called Seeing You. Uh, Tim mentioned as a genius that way. And uh, the audience was part of it. I could just mm. look all around 360 cast oh, behind mm. me. And all of a sudden I had this you know, hugely cathartic moment of just this is what is all, the theater is all about yeah. and this is what it where i'm supposed to be and yeah. this is how i'm supposed to be went to the hospital later they told me the bad news got into physical therapy and somehow made it on stage three days later uh limping with the cast which was here's a really interesting thing um i'll get i'm gonna pat myself on the back i'm like how do you act with you when you have a big brace on your <laughs> leg um because i i was like trying to think how am i gonna get the audience to not look at that but then I relied on the text, I relied on the comedy, I made a joke out of it, I was like, yeah. hey, aren't you curious? Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was one of those moments where everybody's with you and it's also, you work with what you got, yeah. you know? I think there's, there's so much to all that. And uh, it was uh, my Karate Kid moment, so. <laughs> yeah, it's a couple Merman's yeah. words of never run, or whoever wrote, there's no business. There's no business like show business, and the show must go right. on. So uh, yeah, I've had plenty of examples in my life. Well, that's that. amazing. And, and what we're gonna do now, very quickly, just the first thing that comes to your mind, any of you, please immediately jump in. Uh, we are, the first, most unusual ritual before uh, a show, after a show, or during intermission. We've heard the trampoline, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a high bar. Anybody else? So I get uh, a fiberglass cast put on every day before the show, yes. uh, like full socket net and everything, and then at intermission it gets sawed off with a Dremel. Oh my so God. I have to oh, do yeah. that. Oh, that's, that's a real, that's a real, real ass cast every day. Wow, real ass cast. I was thinking Because he's got to write on it, so it has to be a new one every day. Oddest thing in your dressing room. All the dolls that oh, I made of my character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a deer that's dressed like Evan Hansen, who is Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Very good. Thoughts about entrance applause, like it or not? No. Uh, there was a time I was getting uh, entrance applause, but there was a really great lyric that I had to sing, uh, Pointless Erection, which I don't want people to <laughs> <laughs> So the director asked me to like wake up a little earlier and pick up the phone, right. just in case there was, and it was sort of like after the Olivier and the Tony. Right. <laughs> I have strangely like like the weirdest thing, because like, uh, people you know clap for Allison Janney and John Benjamin Hickey, and they come on a lot earlier, and then I come you know a quarter of the way into the play, and people are like, Confused? I never know what to do. In the price, the Arthur Miller built in a wonderful thing for Mike, for Solomon, which is we come up a staircase to this attic where all the furniture is, and he's he's got me coffin. It's in the script. It's just Solomon comes up, the final five fifth floor, he's out of breath and he's coughing, and the first line in the my scene is. Mark saying, "Can I get you? Can I get you some water?" <laughs> and I, <coughs> so that helps out with the because we don't really have to start the scene. Let them right. applaud, Let them right? And then it, it, you know. Yeah. Uh, most annoying thing audience members do. Phones. 
I'm sorry? Phones. Phones. People's faces illuminated by phones, yeah. thinking that I can't see your blue face. Uh, like, I can see your oh, blue face. Right. And we talk to the audience in our, I mean, we like literally are talking to you. I, noticed the, I know there are other things, guys. Come on. For, me, for me, it's when it's when somebody says, hey, Josh, or hey, oh, Josh. If, yeah. I, if, oh. I, if, I, if I just like finish my big 11 o'clock number and somebody in it goes, great one, Josh. Like, yeah. oh. Oh, I am that character. Yeah, yeah. Like, movie musicals. Like this, let's, yeah. yeah, always the the movie transfers usually have the lines that everybody knows. Right. Oh, so they'll yeah. say them with they'll you. Uh, We're so proud of you, Andy. And we got well, the, 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 like the, one, the one yeah. annoying Cost. thing that happened to us a couple times in the in the show, and I, everybody shares this, but we come out like I said for the second act for this. Bla the other end of the blackout, you know. Yeah. So you have the blackout. We all stumble off stage. We get back in the dark, and it's fine. But in the mid middle of the blackout, somebody's got a, a flashlight. <laughs> You're trying to get into a blackout so the audience gets the effect of a blackout. Sure, yeah, sure. There's somebody out there with a flashlight <laughs> helping you on stage. <laughs> you go, what? Like, I hear him up there. What? We're hearing you curse with your cane. Sleep. 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 Baby. Yeah. Silence. I do uh, Hollywood report. <laughs> <laughs> Number of performances per week you wish your show offered? Seven. I, I would take seven. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Two. <laughs> You've seen it. I'd take it. nine. I would do nine. Oh, right. more? Daniel was there. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well limited you, engagement. Well, limited <laughs> engagement. If you do yeah, nine, sure. you get out earlier? Yeah. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, Non-friend or relative whose attendance at your show has meant the most to you? Oh. Hal Prince. Oh. oh, man. Harry Belafonte. Oh, miracle. Yeah. Oh, Singing gosh. about a comet for Neil deGrasse Tyson was really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was fun. That's cool. Singing the word uh, parabola to his face was awesome. <laughs> Debbie Allen. Okay, that's a great. There you go. Yeah, the original uh, Rita from uh, Annie McDowell from the movie. Oh, Annie McDowell. Oh, so cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, okay, biggest thing Hollywood can learn from Broadway? Just a succinct. Strangeness. Is, is successful and powerful Stay and interesting. Weird. Community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, family. And uh, last but not least, what you would be doing if you were not an actor? Be a pilot. Ooh, oh, nice. Oh, nice, yeah. that's good. Still want to try. Okay. <laughs> Hairdresser. 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 <laughs> uh, I'd probably restore houses, that's what I'd do. Oh. Carpenter. Yeah. Good. A canter, I think, canter. at a, at a oh, synagogue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always want to be a veterinarian. I was always finding oh. things wrong with our pets before anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Max has a splinter in his right paw. Ah, fine. I'll take him to the bathroom. I, I got this. I got this. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, James Harriet. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. I know we were, we were just established that an off day is a precious thing. So thank you for sharing with us and congratulations. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for having us. Hey, batter, batter. Are you ready to hit a home run with flavor? Step up to the plate and swing by Penn Station East Coast Subs, where every bite is a grand slam. Craving a classic Philly cheesesteak or maybe a savory chicken teriyaki? Or how about loading up on their delicious fresh-cut fries? Call it a triple play by ordering Penn Station's signature fresh-squeezed lemonade. When it comes to subs, Penn Station is the big league. Order online at penn-station.com or stop at a store near you. Penn Station East Coast Subs.